Good morning and welcome to the table, to all of you, to your beautiful faces. Um, the extrovert that I am, there are so many of you I haven't seen for a while and I'm, I'm doing all my impulsivity control to not say, I just want to have a conversation. But there's like 12 of you, so that wouldn't go so well and we would be late for church, so that's not good. We're going to open. We heard this song some time ago. Rihanna Giddens did it on her last album. And if you know of her, she's, she's an amazing opera, trained opera singer, become banjo, become the world. She does everything. And so uh, it's God will see us through. I invite us to stand in body or spirit. And to really, it's a prayer, but I'm having us stand because there's a way this song just washes over us. And I believe it's true. God does see us through, but that looks different for all of us. When your path is full of worries, God will see. standing for our prayer into our next song. God, Lord of all creation, lover of life and of everything, please help us to love in our very small way what you love infinitely and everywhere. We thank you that we can offer just this one prayer, and that will be more than enough. 
because in reality everything and everyone is connected, and nothing stands alone. To pray for one part is really to pray for the whole, and so we do. Help us each day to stand for love, for healing, for the good, for the diverse unity of the body of Christ and all creation, because we know this is what you desire. As Jesus prayed, that all may be one. We offer our prayer together with all the holy names of God. We offer our prayer together with Christ our Lord. Amen. seem uncrossable <laughs> and have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through God specializes
Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Lisa Wegley, and I am a part of this congregation right here with you this morning. Um, if you are joining us on table.live, um, Kara Tuppy is your um, host today. So you also will find in that chat, if you're online, that um, she'll put the bulletin in there. You, uh, as congregation members, have a QR code that's right there. Or if you got a text this morning, um, that very last link also takes you to the bulletin. Uh, I don't know about you, but did the music this morning really speak to you, yeah. Jan? <laughs> it spoke to me. And it's always like, how do they do that? How, how, do, how do you guys know what songs are going to sing, no, that are going to speak to me? I, I never know. And so what I think is just amazing about that is that's just part of who our lives are, right? Where our lives are. Our songs speak to us where we are. So we want to connect with you. Matt and Linda want, Linda want to connect with you. There is a connect card um, if you go online. And so believe it or not, depending on where you are in life, maybe you need a thought partner. They are awesome thought partners. So please feel free to uh, learn more about the church and connect with them. We're going to be reaching out in love this month, and we're going to be doing that with Habitat for Humanity. There are three opportunities the very beginning of um, February to um, give service. Anyway, I think that's part of who we are, right? Part of this church. It's not just coming, it's also doing and using our hands. Okay, let's see. What else do I have here? I think all I have left is um, for us to stand and get ready to sing again and groove with the band, Be Thou My Vision. Please have a fun standing. And, and
Thank you, thank you, thank you. All righty, this is like one of my favorite times. So little people, it's time for you to stand up and our band is gonna play some really fun walking music. So now's the time for the children K through six to move up to godly play, which is upstairs. For our smaller people, we have loving childcare and it's just down the hall. For our um, childcare and our godly play, I don't know if you know, but our families make a donation to the Montessori-based school here called the Mustard Seed. And did you know that these children, many who are there, are experiencing homelessness? So I just want to say thank you to those families who are supporting children becoming more enriched. Alrighty. Our reading this morning comes from Psalms 11, and I'll be sharing from the new Revised Standard Version with some revisions for inclusiveness, another reason why I like being here, and you're invited to follow along. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is God's work, and God's righteousness endures forever. God has gained renown by wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. God provides food for those who fear God. God is ever mindful of the covenant. God has shown the people the power of God's work in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of God's hands are faithful and just. All God's precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightfulness. God sent redemption to God's people, has commanded the covenant forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. Amen. As our musicians move down, I'll invite us into a spirit of prayer. God, may the depth of your love comfort that little baby that is feeling big emotions. May your spirit guide the preacher this morning to be concise, because there's a little game on later. <laughs> 
And for those that don't follow sports ball, help us just to know that it is okay, just as it is. May your love move freely in this space, open our hearts, our minds, that we might attune our bodies and our souls with your hope for the world. We offer this time and our lives in your creative ways and many names. Amen. Eileen Zimmerman is a journalist and a social worker. I actually stumbled upon her in preparation for this worship series, particularly a wrenching memoir that she drafted. She was moving along much like I just opened us in prayer with a little bit of, of curiosity about this game that's later today. And she was finding her own way, and then she found herself smacked. And she wrote a book, a wrenching uh, memoir by that title, it tells the story, actually, of her ex-husband's secret and spiraling addiction, which resulted in his sudden and shocking death. She was just moving along, scheduling her days in the way that one does, and everything changed when she was smacked. It's a story, as you would expect, of horrific loss and learning and survival, and it challenges us to wonder about what it means to have, quote, everything. From the opening pages of this memoir, you experience how this woman, this mom, this partner, this ex-partner was smacked and then grapples with what does it mean to simply find her way through as we opened in song in ways that she had never fathomed. She found herself trying to pick up the pieces that were shattered and I was holding that in preparation for today and realizing just the number of emails that we've received just recently, the number of conversations that we have held, those tender places with so many people in our community who find ourselves in our own way trying to pick up some of those pieces. Folks who have gone to what they imagine to be a regular medical exam and now are faced with a diagnosis that they could not have fathomed. Folks who find themselves in a family system that the secret of addiction is not secret anymore. Folks who find themselves in work situations where everything felt like we were on top of the world and then painful accusations make everyone and everything feel like, can we even trust any of this right now? I was holding all of this as I turned from her memoir to a New York Times op-ed piece that she wrote back in 2020. And in that, Eileen Zimmerman shared this. And this is a person who speaks from an experience of, of resilience, of finding her way through. She writes that the most significant determinant of resilience noted in nearly every review or study of resilience in the last 50 years is the quality of our close personal relationships. And it just reminded me of this is at the heart of what we are trying to cultivate here at the table. Close personal relations, one with another, one with God, Cultivating relationships by rooting our lives in grace, connecting again with the mystery of God who has brought people through, through the generations. Growing in faith and, and nurturing one another in relationship around kitchen tables by sharing how it is with our soul, how we're loving God, loving our neighbors. 
doing the work that Lisa invited in, us into with Habitat and so many other ways that this community is reaching in love, long-term work of metabolizing loss and nurturing tenderness one with another, including ourselves. Finding a deeper purpose, not by going alone, but in community with others. Long-term studies show that the first 20 years of life are especially critical, especially those earliest of relationships. And resilience is something that we can learn, that we can practice, that we can develop and grow in. We can increase our toolkits, you might say. And that's our hope for this three-week worship series that we are calling Resilience. Last week, Pastor Linda uh, began our worship series, and she invited us to think about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer goes with the temperature, and a thermostat sets that. And she invited us and gave us some practices that might help us to move in ways where we could set our thermostats to peacemaking and to care. And this morning, we'll wonder what it looks like to take God's love to heart. We sang, as Hannah did so beautifully, everybody needs a little love. Everyone needs a little love in route to building more resilient, faithful ways of being in the world. This worship series and many of you shared in your deep commitments a longing to find daily practices that would help you to find your way toward deeper resiliency. And, and one of those that we offered a couple weeks ago is Father Richard Rohr and the Center for Acti or Action and Contemplation's daily email that comes out that's helping so many in our community to root our lives in God's grace. The theme that they're using for this entire year of 2024 is called Radical Resilience. And Father Richard writes this, resilience is really a secular word for what religion was trying to say with the word faith. I love that. Resilience is really a secular word for what religion was trying to say with the word faith. Without a certain ability to let go, to trust, to allow, we won't get to any new place. If we stay with order too long and we're not resilient enough to allow a certain degree of disorder, we don't get smarter, we just get rigid. <laughs> it turns out that for me, one of the places that I unconsciously had came to a place of rigidity was actually in my own faith journey in the way that I was imagining God. And this, for me, evolved over, over time. And maybe it came up for you when you heard Lisa share from Psalm 111. Lisa shared, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And by the time I see the word fear, I stop reading the rest of that sentence. Fear of the Lord. It keeps going, but I put a period or a full stop there. I don't know what it evokes for you, but for me, it brings up complicated feelings and entanglements within my body and heart and mind and, and soul. We opened worship with God will bring us through. God specializes in things thought impossible. But from early on, I unconsciously internalized images of God not rooted in that kind of powerful accompaniment, but rooted instead in fear or I would even say wrath. 
And for me, fear-based images of God weren't passed down actually from my immediate family members, from my parents. I was nurtured by parents and, and other adults whose, who my sense is their primary image of God was one of love, one of tenderness. I know that's not the case for everyone in this space. We're all working through different um, experiences and finding our way in these. But even in spite of having loving systems around me in my childhood, I came to internalize wrath-centered images of God. It seeped into my consciousness, into my, my body. And faith for me, early in adulthood, became something like a never-ending checklist. And it was a checklist that, that if God was, was to be feared, then I would need to believe certain things. And then I would need to act in certain pure ways. And if I did those things perfectly, then I could avoid the wrath of God. And particularly for me, that was cast in like an otherworldly afterlife. And that's a hard image of God to let go of. It's hard for, for me, and it comes back up at different moments. It gets deep into our bones. It's not something you can just, like, think your way out of. Instead of imagining God as a storehouse of abundance, of abundant love, or a steady foundation of nurturing love, God became a vindictive scorekeeper. And my task was to always try to get one step ahead. Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Knowlton writes this, Rather than imagining terror as being connected to wisdom, it is important for contemporary communities to hear fear in the more traditional Hebrew sense of awe and reverence. Whoa. That is decidedly not what I imagined when I read Psalm 111, even at this moment in my life and in my journey. My fear of God was not immediately about a sense of awe or reverence. And so it's earth-shattering, actually, for me to realize that ancient Israelites in sharing this text wouldn't have imagined a God of terror raining down upon them, but an invitation into awe and reverence as a way toward wisdom. Wow. It actually makes so much more sense and allows me to get through the whole verse without stopping at the word fear. The fear or awe or reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What would it look like to have more awe, reverence in our lives? What might I need to let go of in order to allow my relationship with God to move from the reflexive ways of fear toward ways of awe and reverence? The psalmist who wrote this morning's reading invites us into more resilience, more faithful ways of life. The psalm actually opens, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. My whole heart. That phrase was made more complex or beautiful for me this week as I read a reflection or a commentary by Reverend Dr. Yolanda Norton. She shares this. Biblical expressions of the heart have often been misunderstood in the modern world because we commonly understand the heart as the seat of emotion and the head as the domain of intellect and rationality. This was not true in the biblical world. The heart was seen as a host for emotion, 
a host for morality, a host for spirituality, a host for determination, and a host of intellect. All of that. To love God then with the whole heart is to love God with all of that. And so then what it means to truly take God's love to heart would mean in a biblical sense to allow God's love to be at the center of our emotional lives, to be at the center of our moral compass, to be at the center of our spiritual journey, to be at the center of our our purpose, to guide our thoughts, our vision, to praise and nurture our bodies. And so I was holding this and reflecting on my own journey of letting go of distorted images of God that seek to control and to live into more nurturing, caring images of God. And I became aware that for me, a couple of practices have been critical. And my hope is that these might be an invitation for you either to take another step in your own journey or to try to imagine what in your life could help you to let go of the images of God you might need to release. For me, this starts with my own journey into more contemplative expressions of Christianity, to slowing down, to cultivating close personal relations before that I had any sense that the research said that was a wise idea. And for me, it started actually about 20 years ago I was a youth and children's minister out at Davis, and I was invited by two women to join uh, what I now think of as a kitchen table, a group we meet every Thursday for two hours, and we share in life together. We hold silence together. We pray. We search scripture. We listen, as the mystic says, to God's first language, silence. And it's my sense that over 20 years of doing this every Thursday from 9 to 11, my own resilience toolbox has developed more fully. So that when I found myself smacked by news, whether in my family system or in my life or in the world around, having people who have accompanied me through so many different ebbs and flows of life, gives me a deeper sense of how God might be moving even when I start to default to imagining God in those old, old ways that are rooted in fear and shame. And I unconsciously become rigid in what I'm doing. It's been my experience that having this small group, this group that is at the heart of what we do in our kitchen tables by gathering every week to pray together, to search scripture, to hold our lives in conversation with the great commandment, I find myself letting go of that script or default of fear and shame and finding my way through those relations into a deeper sense of curiosity and openness and possibility. Around the same time I started in that journey myself into contemplative ways of practicing faith I also was introduced to what our children just went upstairs to experience this morning, godly play. I found myself, I see Spencer is with us this morning. He's starting seminary. I remember when I got finished with seminary and I'd done three years of biblical study, learning Hebrew, learning Greek, and I had myself really ready to um, respond to the religious rite, but I didn't have the story of God's love deeply rooted in my own body 
And it was on the floor of this little Presbyterian church over in Oakland where I was invited by a beautiful British godly play storyteller to connect in to God's love for me and for the world in a profound way in a way of doing children's ministry that's rooted not in providing them with content, but in sitting with them in their own experience of God and inviting wonder. These practices, these practices have become like containers to both nurture quality relations with those around and also to allow me to develop the resilience that I need to begin to take God's love to heart in my own life. Or as one of the hymns in our church so beautifully says, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Lord of my heart. Lord, it is the, at the center of my heart that is the center of emotional life, of, of spiritual life, of intellectual life. Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Linda and I were able to journey with our music team. We went up 50 toward it was 50, right? We went up 50. We learned how to put chains on tires. There was a lot of resilience that was needed. Um, and once we finally got our way there and we pushed the Prius up the large hill, we pulled other cars out of ditches. We didn't know that we were practicing for this worship series, but we were. And our music team created a number of new pieces of music. We're really excited over these coming weeks to share all of them with you, or many of them. We'll have a new communion liturgy. We have new walking music, Lisa. Can you imagine this? We're going to have, um, we, we literally wrote a song to help children move toward godly play with that transition. Omari and others were um, inspired during that time to take a hymn and to arrange that for this moment. And on the second night we were gathered there, most every time you're with these musicians, um, something comes up that just takes you to that place of awe or reverence. And it happened for me on that, that second night when it was Omari and Natalie shared this version. Um, Dr. Stephen Southwick is a professor emeritus of psychiatry at Yale School of Medicine also the co-author of a book that's titled Resilience, and, and they remind us very few resilient people go it alone. Very few resilient people go it alone. And so I was sitting there in that space realizing what it means to be musicians that are not going alone, to be pastors in a community that aren't going alone, to be people that practice our faith by choosing not to go it alone. And this arrangement that um, was inspired when Omari's heart and then shared with others that brought their gifts to this, it begins somewhat like Psalm 111, at least as I hear it. It begins with a resilient voice, a voice of longing from a place of the, of the heart. And then it moves toward the end, and there'll be a way that we can join our voices into that as a reminder that resilient people don't go it alone. Like so many of the historic hymns in our Christian tradition, this one comes to us from someone also who didn't go it alone. This comes through an unintentional collaboration. It actually was a poem written in Gaelic-Irish that was found in the 8th century, and then it was found in the eight, end of the 1800s by an Irish scholar. And finally in 1905, her name is Mary Byrne. She translated it from the Gaelic-Irish poetry into a literal English prose. And then seven years later, in 1912, another woman, Eleanor Hull, versified that English translation. 
And then another person paired it with the Irish tune Slain seven years later in 1919. And it became what so many of us know today in Irish hymn, Be Thou My Vision. The original poem opens, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. It closes, O heart of my heart, whatever befall me, O ruler of all, be thou my vision. So I want to invite us to stay seated and to take a breath, to be in a spirit of prayer, and to allow this song as arranged for this moment by these beautiful musicians to embolden us to take God's love to heart as we grow together in resilience. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Thank you. 
Let's say amen. Mm. Wow. May God be the treasure that we all long for, our inheritance, as we prepare together to come to God's table which is set for everyone. The spiritual discipline of the Lord's Supper is one we practice here each week. And the resiliency of this practice is embedded in the bread, in the yeast, in the cup, in the fruit that grows and becomes juice which nourish all of us deep into our souls. And also in the act of confession, before we partake in God's meal, we do these hand and glove together so that we as God's people and we all together with one voice out loud, I hope with no shame, put out there those things that we need to confess. So I invite us to stand in body and spirit and with one voice to pray together. God who brings us through, instead of opening to you with awe and reverence, we allow fear of you to make us rigid. Instead of loving you with our whole hearts and nurturing close relations with our neighbors, we try to go it alone. Forgive us, we pray. Friends, Psalm 111 closes like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. God is resilient. God's praise endures, not God's condemnation. That's not in there. God's praise. So may this deep truth be known deep into our bones and our flesh now and always. Let's say amen. 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 And I invite us to join friends in the call and response that is the church's practice for recognizing the belovedness of God in each and every part of creation around us. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And we invite you to turn to a person near to you and share a symbol of that peace one with another.
chaos water and earth had yet to take shape and God the sculptor the painter the creator touched the swirling mass God's hand separated earth from water and water from sky God touched the earth and plants turned green and fruit began to grow ripe and to celebrate God through holy fireworks in the skies placing stars in the heavens God touched the oceans and rivers and ponds and swimming beings made waves in the water and God reached to the sky and things with wings took flight and God looked upon all of this and said, this is good. And when everything was done, God took clay and formed an image of God's own self and breathed into it God's own breath and said, you're the one I've been imagining. You and everything around you, my beloved creation is good. But it wasn't good for long. God's people lost our way, and instead of resiliency, we found ourselves stuck in rigidity. So God reached inside God's own heart and pulled out openness and love and hope and possibility, justice and compassion, and placed it in a form that the people might recognize, a holy human being named Jesus. And God set Jesus on earth to remind us to be our vision, and to call us to love God and love our neighbors as God loves you in this very moment and all time. he could to tell us how much God loves us and to show us how to love each other, to show us how to do life together. But we couldn't accept it and we couldn't agree about it and we became afraid and the principalities and powers that lure us to turn against the way made known in the life, ministry, and love of Jesus. And in the end, Jesus was given away by the very ones who thought they loved him best because the challenge was too much. But before he was taken, Jesus gathered his friends around a table and promised them and promises us that he will never leave us alone, but will come back and take us home with him. And like those longest-to-go companions, we don't always understand the message that Jesus brings to us or what his coming, going, and coming again means to us. And we can be grateful and sing the mystery of our faith. has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. 
On the night when Jesus gathered his friends together, he took the simple food that was their Passover meal, the bread and the cup, and he blessed them both, and he gave thanks to God and said, I'm sharing this meal with you now so that you can share it together whenever you gather in remembrance of me. us into prayer with the words that Jesus shared with his disciples long ago. They have been passed through the ages and the church has named them the Lord's Prayer. We invite you to use the language to address God, which is most dear and true to your own heart. Let us pray. Our mother, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Pour your spirit, God, upon each of us gathered in this moment and over the gifts which are before us. Make these gifts the body and love of Christ and make us through them Christ's body alive in the world. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All are welcome to the table of God's love. And when we say all, we mean everyone. We encourage those who are online with us to bring close to you now whatever you are using for communion this morning, your bread and your juice. For those of us here in this room, we will have stations up front and a station in the back. On the platter is bread that uh, is for us, and in the center are gluten-free crackers that um, are there for those who are not able to eat gluten. We want to remind people every week there are people for whom this is something very, very new and different. There are those of us for whom this is a life practice. Most of us are somewhere in between on that continuum, but always, each week, I want you to remember there's nothing you can do to make a mistake. And this is something we do together. And so we watch over each other in love as we are in God's divine dance. Part of that dance, some of us wait and go in prayer either before, during, or after this meal, or stay in our seats for a little longer in prayer. All of that is okay. We trust all of God's rhythms in our lives. Friends, this is the bread of life and the body of Christ broken for you and the cup of God's forgiveness poured out for the whole world.
we encourage those praying with candles to stay for just as long as you desire and need in that spirit of prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery through which you were revealed to creation. May your peace make us one, and may your love call us into the world as expressions of hope made known in the way, the life, and the truth of Jesus Christ, our hope. Amen. Amen. Friends, we hope that you will wonder about the next steps which God might be inviting you to take. And we have a number of different of, um, options for you to consider or to wonder about. One of those is that just outside today, we have um, Rise Up Bread. We're finalizing the deals finally in all the dotting I's and crossing T's to have them starting to bake out of our kitchen soon. And they had a couple of bakers. That feels very worthy of clapping for to me too. And they had a couple of bakers, they were um, practicing. And so we have some loaves. It's my favorite one. It's the loaf that has sesame that like for sandwiches, if you're gonna watch a game today, it might be a perfect one to purchase. It's just outside. And as we're noting that as well, we're gonna wanna cut five minutes off the 11 o'clock worship because the game starts at noon. So we'll figure that out as we go. Outside are ways, though, that you can take amazing bread home with you from Rise Up. We'll also, today is the last day to pre-order loaves for February. You can go on the website. It's really simple. You can choose any of the Sundays that you'd like to have bread delivered to you here on Sunday morning. You can opt to, to have it not delivered the other Sundays or to gift that as well through the South Sac Interfaith Partnership Food Closet to those who are experiencing food insecurity. We have two Growing in Faith series that are coming up. Those are ways for folks to move into our weekly kitchen tables and to learn more about how we share in life together. Both of those are full, but we'll be sharing by the end of this week in our email Friday when our next series will be. So if you feel an interest or just a yearning or a drawing to be in relationship with others in a deeper way, um, please stay tuned to our email and that'll start to come out and we'll register. We'll begin to offer those new ones coming up as well. I'm going to invite us to stand in body or in spirit. Our musicians are going to send us out with a reminder this morning to dig a little deeper.
When your body starts to constrict, you start to move back to that, whatever that default place of rigidity looks like for you. May you remember this moment, the people around you who long to not go it alone, but to be in this together. May you be reminded of the storehouse of God's abundant love. And may that bring us all to a place of awe, a place of reverence that we might move into the beginning of wisdom. Go in peace, amen. Thank you. 